What's up, everyone? Welcome to Good Wolf Radio. It's Jerry Scarlato, and I am founder and fitness coach at Thrivology in Northern Kentucky. Over the last two episodes, we've been talking about showing up. I'm not going to go into complete detail about everything we've talked about so far. So make sure that you go back and listen to the previous two episodes so that you can understand what we're going to be talking about today, but to hit on those points very quickly. First episode, the two episodes ago, we talked briefly about habits, how they're formed, why they're formed, and how we use them, how they help us pursue goals, and how we use our prefrontal cortex and the basal ganglia to find habits we want to change, and then to figure out how we make the new habit and then consolidate it into a bucket so that it becomes automatic. That process, which we talked about in the second, the last episode, excuse me, that process is improving your procedural memory, which is called neuroplasticity, 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 (laughs) neuroplasticity is facilitated not only but facilitated by a compound called a substance called myelin which is a fatty substance that surrounds the nerve so that the signal of the nerve or the signal is can get from one end of the nerve to the thing it's going to efficiently and effectively without getting lost the more often you do something the more myelin is laid over a nerve the thicker it becomes easier it becomes for you to perform that action, the more efficient you become at it, the faster that that signal happens. And when you don't do something for 30 days, for just 30 days, that sheath starts to deteriorate and the signal starts to get lost, which makes it harder to perform the task, which is why it's important to repeat, repeat, repeat. Repetition is the key. So with understanding that, with understanding that when it comes to forming habits, which are the things that our body is dyed with, if you recall our quote from Marcus Aurelius, your soul is dyed with the color of your thoughts, your body is also dyed with the color of your habits, your habits make up your body. And if you're not happy with how your body feels and is moving and all that stuff, it is primarily because of the habits that you contain contain the habits that you have. So today we're going to talk about five strategies, five strategies you can use to make showing up easier, make showing up more effective so that you can continue whatever habit you're currently doing, or you can start the new habits that you're trying to start. Remember that all of this underlies the most important thing, which is your identity. That is the thing keeping you from achieving most of what you want to achieve. It is the thing keeping you from becoming the kind of person that is healthy, focuses on their fitness, exercises regularly, and all of that. When you believe you are the kind of person, then you will become it. Then implementing those habits become easier. It's not easy to change your identity. But if you do it and you think through it and you are deliberate about it, it can be simple. Nonetheless, let's talk about, I don't know why I did this move. If you're watching, 
I just like threw my fingers at you for some reason, nonetheless. Um, five strategies that we can use to make showing up easier, to make it more effective, and to keep you moving in a good direction. First one comes directly again from Greece, if you will, from Greek times and Roman times called premeditatio melorum. This is a Stoic idea, a Stoic philosophy idea, and we're going to put that together with another idea called Odysseus contracts. So let me explain both of them so you're not totally lost. First, premeditatio melorum loosely translates to the premeditation of evils. So when you start something new, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you're going to run into, right? You don't know the obstacles you're going to have to overcome. You don't know any of the plateaus you're going to hit. You don't know. But you can sit down and think about those things. You can think about what are the things I'm going to run into? What are the things I'm going to have to overcome? And with that thinking, you can then make plans for them. So premeditation of evils is taking some time to go, okay, I want to start exercising every day at 6.30 in the morning. What are the things that are going to get in the way of that? Let's think. Well, first of all, I'm going to have to make sure that I'm up in time. Second of all, I'm going to have to make sure that I have my clothes ready. Third of all, I'm going to have to make sure blah, blah, blah. So you come up with a list of things. Once you have your list, then you can start to create some sort of ideas to overcome those things. Some of them are going to be pretty simple. Make sure you set an alarm, make sure you get your clothes ready, so on and so forth. Some of them you may not have a plan for yet. Uh, some of them will come up regularly. Some of them won't come up at all. Maybe it's, you know, uh, my car won't start. Maybe it's the gym's going to be closed. Maybe it's, it's raining outside and I don't feel like walking from my house to the car and getting wet. Whatever that is. There's a number of potential obstacles. So then it also makes sense to have Odysseus contracts. If you know anything about Greek history, actually, this is not Greek history. It's just history. Um, Odysseus was, um, he's primarily from the Iliad and the Odyssey, hence Odysseus. The Odyssey is about his voyage back to his homeland after the battle at Troy. And Odysseus and his sailors were coming past or going past the island of the Sirens. The Sirens were a couple of women, for lack of a better term, who sang and their song, the siren song, caused sailors to crash into the um, crash into the island and everyone perish. So what Odysseus said to his people, his mates, you guys plug your ears and you tie me to the mast because I want to be able to hear their song because I'm just curious, which is maybe silly, but nonetheless, he was curious. But tie me to the mast so that I can't do anything and you plug your ears. Okay, so they went by the island. The siren sang. He heard. He tried to struggle. He tried to tell them to untie me so that I can go and blah, blah, blah. They didn't know. They couldn't hear him because they had their ears plugged. So they got past the island. They didn't crash. Great. So what is an Odysseus contract then? It is, if this is going to happen, then I'm going to do this. So for Odysseus, it was, since we're going past this island, we're going to do this thing. You're going to plug, you're going to tie me to the mast, 
and you're going to plug your ears so that you can't hear the sirens and you can't hear me trying to tell you to untie me. So when it goes back to the habits, an Odysseus contract might look like if it's raining outside and I'm supposed to go running, then I'm going to do 10 minutes of hit work, hit body weight training at my house. Or if I go to a party and I'm presented with a piece of cake, then I'm going to have one bite. Or if I go to a party and I'm presented with a piece of cake, then I'm going to just walk away. So it's literally setting a precedent. If this happens, then here's what I'm going to do. That, like I said, called, we're calling it an Odysseus contract. Um, in psychology, they call it an implementation intention. But nonetheless, um, having that idea in your head will hold you more accountable than if you just show up and you think, oh, I'm just going to be able to overcome any obstacle that comes in my way. Because the second that it rains and you're supposed to run, you're going to go, I don't know if I feel like running. I guess I'm just not doing anything today if you don't have a plan. Okay? So that's number one. Premeditation of evils and Odysseus contracts. Number two. Uh, this idea I got from James Clear. James Clear is the author of Atomic Habits. He also has a great blog, jamesclear.com. You should definitely go check him out. He was recently on the Tim Ferriss podcast, and he said this simple phrase. Reduce the scope, stick to the schedule. Reduce the scope, stick to the schedule. So if you remember from last time, if you didn't listen to last time, make sure you go listen to the last episode. If you recall, I asked a question at the end. The question was, how can I make this smaller so that I can expand it later? In this context, what we're talking about, reducing the scope and sticking to the schedule, in the moment when something happens, you may not be able to do the full habit that you usually do. The example I used last time was working out for, you're supposed to work out for 60 minutes and you're going to be 10 minutes late. So you tell yourself, oh, I, I'm not going to be able to do it. So I'm just not going to show up. Instead, reduce the scope. It's okay. It is more important that you stick to the schedule and the repetition than it is that you do the perfect exact thing that you already have planned out. If you're supposed to work out for 60 minutes and you're going to be 10 minutes late, then you should show up anyway because it is more important that you show up, that you maintain the habit, that you continue to build that sheath around that nerve pathway so that it stays there than it is to not show up. Okay, it is in those hard times, those hard days when it's challenging to complete a habit that the habit becomes ingrained. It's easy to do things when things are easy. It is much harder to do things when things are hard. And it is on those types of days when you're running late or when things aren't going well or when the kids, I don't know, one of them had to stay home from school or the dog threw up all over the floor and now you got to clean it up or whatever it is. It's in those days that habits become ingrained because if you stick to the schedule, it will become the habit that you want it to be and it will empower you to continue to move toward the goal you're trying to achieve. Okay, so reduce the scope, stick to the schedule. 
Number three, which is very similar to number two, I will fully admit, but it is worth saying differently. Number three is don't let perfection get in the way of progress. Don't let perfection get in the way of progress. So we're all, I, I believe that most people want to progress in their life in some way, shape, or form. Maybe it's not, we're all individuals, so we're all progressing in whatever way we're, we want to. But I believe that pretty much everybody wants to progress in some way, shape, or form. However, a lot of us keep ourselves from progressing because we believe that we have to be perfect. If we think about the previous idea, reduce the scope, stick to the schedule. If I am trying to be perfect at getting 60 minutes of workout in, then I'm going to have a really hard time doing that because things will always pop up. Things will regularly pop up. Letting perfection or the idea of a perfect plan or a perfect strategy get in the way is keeping you from pursuing the thing. It's important to understand that there, there, there is no perfect. There, is a, there are ways, effective ways, and less effective ways. The only way you're going to start is if you get started. And then you have to keep going. And then you have to keep showing up. And then you have to keep doing it. If you are waiting for the perfect plan, well, keto doesn't work for me. Okay. Uh, paleo didn't work for me. Okay. Um, carnival doesn't work for me whatever, fasting doesn't work for me, well, I guess I'm just going to keep eating the way that I'm going to eat. If you're waiting for the perfect plan to show up, you're not going to make progress. So set perfection aside. You cannot let the idea of perfection and the idea of having a slip up, not doing a full day's workout, get in the way of the progress that you're trying to achieve. You have to remember Dan John said, keep the goal the goal. The goal is still there. It's still your goal. So show up and do something about it. Don't let perfection get in the way of progress toward the goal. That's number three. Number four. Uh, these last two, I think, will eventually have a series all on their own because I think they're very important. Uh, number four is perform a time audit. So a lot of us let other things impede on our time that we haven't thought about. In other words, we let things take our time without realizing that they're taking our time or taking as much time as they actually are. And you don't know that until you sit down and look at it. So a time audit is simply over a series of days or possibly a week, literally writing down everything that you do, which sounds very tedious, but it is also very eye-opening. Uh, I forget his name. Peter Drucker is a business analyst. I don't, one of the greatest business writers of all time said, you can't manage what you don't measure. And if you don't know where you're spending your time, then you can't really manage it. A lot of people have say that that's one of their biggest excuses is I don't have time to do it. But if you don't know what you're spending your time on now, how do you know if you don't have time to do it? We all have 24 hours and some of us do many more things than others within that 24 hours. So take some time, be that one day, two days, five days or whatever, 
at least one day, do it for one day, preferably three so that you have an average and write down everything that you do and how long you do it. So as soon as you wake up, brushing your teeth, getting dressed, taking a shower, getting in the car, driving to work, whatever, like all of those tasks, write them down, write down about how long it took you to do it. That also includes, this is very important, that also includes the time that you spent on the internet, social media, YouTube, whatever, whatever other things that you do in the time where you're not performing tasks that are conducive to your life, all of that counts. Literally everything that you do, write it down and how long you do it. And once you have your time audit, then you can start to look and see where you spend your time. The fifth strategy is run the matrix. So once you've done your time audit, the next thing you need to do is decide what to do with those things. So you could simply just look at your time audit and you know, go, okay, it looks like I'm spending a lot more time on my phone and on social media than I expected. I'll go ahead and just cut some of that out and then I'll be good to go, which is potentially true. The next effective step, if you wanna take it a step further, is to run the matrix. So the matrix is the Eisenhower matrix, which was developed by Dwight D. Eisenhower, previous president of the United States. When he was put into office, he knew he had it, he had it, he knew he had to decide on how to be able to decide on things. How do I go about making sure that I'm doing things effectively and not just doing things that maybe I shouldn't be doing or doing things that aren't very important or whatever. I wanna be able to spend my time on priorities, not just on things. So he developed this matrix. Uh, the matrix is a set of, it's a quadrant. So four blocks, if you will, across the top is important and unimportant and along the side is urgent and not urgent. So as we connect the dots, one block is important and urgent. And for important and urgent tasks, as you're looking at your time audit, important and urgent tasks are types of tasks that you should do as quickly as possible and then just check them off your list. They're the kinds of things that just kind of like pop up and you just gotta get them done. Someone comes to you and they go, hey, I need you to send this email so that you can, so that we can tell somebody to pick Charlie up whenever school is done. Okay, I gotta send the email, let me get it done. Um, probably you do that with a text instead of an email, so I don't know why I thought of email, but nonetheless, that's an important and urgent task. Someone needs to pick Charlie up and we need to let somebody else know quickly. So let's go ahead and do that. Um, the next category would be not important and urgent. Not important, but still urgent. So not important does not mean not important at all. It means it may not necessarily be important to you or for you to do. So it means potentially someone else could do it. So those kinds of tasks you want to delegate. You wanna push them away, not away, but push them towards somebody else so that it can still get done, but somebody else can do them. For instance, sending emails, speaking of sending emails, sending emails 
potentially a task that someone else could do if emails need to be sent. Emails need to be sent to the whole team so that the team knows uh, their tasks that they need to complete. You can give that to somebody to do. It's an important task. I mean, it's an important task, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do it. It means that someone has to do it and it needs to get done. So delegate it and let somebody else take care of it. Uh, then you have important but not urgent tasks. Okay, so these are things that are important to you that you believe are things that need to get done, but they don't necessarily need to be done anytime soon. And basically what we're going to be talking about during our time together forever, health and fitness, is that thing. It is very important to everyone, but yet it's not very urgent. Why? It's not urgent because we don't directly see the effects of not taking care of ourselves, if you will, for a while. It takes some time. It's not like if I don't work out today, tomorrow all of a sudden I'm falling apart. But if I don't work out for a month, a year, five years, and then 10 years, I will start to see the deterioration happen. So it's not urgent per se in the sense that I need to do it, otherwise I'm gonna fall apart. But it is definitely important. These kinds of tasks are the hardest ones to do because they're not urgent, which is ironic because they are important. These kinds of things you need to decide when to do them. In other words, you need to schedule them. You need to put them on the calendar and you need to say, this is what I'm doing this thing because I believe it is important. And if, it, if I don't schedule it and I don't start to do it, it's not going to get done. It's going to take time. It's going to be a forever project, but it is something that you need to get on the schedule. You need to decide when to do it and you need to do it. Exercise, eating differently, meal prepping, whatever. Like those are just like the high level examples, but those are the things that you need to decide on when to do them, put them on the calendar so that they are something you're doing. Uh, which leads us to the last one, not important and not urgent. As you can imagine, if it's not important and it's not urgent, then why are you doing it in the first place? And these are the kinds of things that you should delete. You should think about deleting at least. Um, things that fall into this category, being on your phone, mostly in any way, shape or form, television. Those are the biggest ones. I mean, there's plenty of other ones, but I'm gonna go ahead and just throw those out there because screens have taken over our lives. Those things, not important not urgent, not important, not urgent. Certainly no one is going to get hurt or die if you don't look at Facebook. And it's not gonna be terribly important if you miss the latest whatever news article that's going around on Facebook. So um, it's worth thinking about those. And in thinking about that, remember that and like I said, I think I know we'll do a whole series on this. So this is very high level, but time management is not about time management. It's about priority management. It's about doing the things that you say you're actually going to do. It's about becoming the kind of person who actually prioritizes the things that are important. May not be urgent, but they are important. And if you can tell, it is all wrapped around your identity and who you believe that you are. Who do you believe you are? If you believe you're the kind of person who does the things that are important to you, then you will do them. 
It takes time to get there. You can get there. You can get there. I promise. But you have to be patient with yourself. You have to repeat the things that you're trying to do. You have to do them regularly. So really quickly, let's run over them again. We have number one, premeditation of evils and Odysseus contracts. If this happens, then I do this. Uh, number two, reduce the scope, stick to the schedule. If you're not able to do something, the full thing that you're trying to do, make it smaller, but stick to it. Number three, don't let perfection get in the way of progress. Remember, the goal is still the goal. So don't let the idea of finding the perfect plan or having the perfect, doing you know the right amount of exercise uh, get in the way of you still moving toward that goal. Number four, time audit. What are the things that you're doing? Where are you actually spending your time? And then number five, run the matrix. Look at your time audit and go, where do these things fit? Do I do decide, delegate, or delete them? And if you do those things, then you will potentially free up some space in order to do the more important things in your life that will move you forward. And that's all for today. So make sure that you like, subscribe, share, do all of those wonderful things. Uh, tell your friends, comment if you have any questions, let us know. And until next time, my friends, here's to your success and health and fitness mastery.